This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. everybody hello and welcome to the first ever episode 73 of the best seats podcast the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in orange county to the rest of southern california and beyond with each and every episode i'm your host crawford mccarthy founder of the best seats thank you as always to my friend ali coyle who provides music for the show you can find more of her work at alicoilmusic.com as a reminder if you do enjoy the show please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you're listening to it if they allow it share it on social media tell your friends about it tell your grandmother if she's still there after the holidays because you just got back from them go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this and don't forget you can get early ad free listening by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you that's right i said holidays i hope you had a fantastic one hope you got to spend it with family friends if you were by yourself i know some people were quarantining whatever you were doing i hope it was a great time i'm a huge fan of the holidays and i hope that you got to enjoy it um all the kidding and kind of jokes aside honest to god whatever you were doing for that new year's eve however you do choose to celebrate i hope it was a fantastic fantastic time uh best seats was obviously off for about two weeks just the way that the episodes were kind of lining up um it, it was just nice to take time and kind of refresh and relax and, and refocus and make sure that 2022 is lining up to be a massive year which it is and for those of you that are subscribing over on patreon you will have exclusive access to the very first kind of announcement of what is to come, including the Endless Summer Supper Club, um, a bunch more announcements on certain dates, um, give or take a few things, like some days that are changing for some items that do not affect Patreon but will affect free feeds, etc. But that is for another time because we have got a great episode to kick off the year for number 73. I am sitting down with the wonderfully charming and fantastic John Sanchez of Native Sun up in Santa Ana. If you are unfamiliar with Native Sun, shame on you. Um, it's an awesome, awesome establishment right up on Forest Street. They have been around for a couple of years now, but we sat down to talk about basically what is it like to create a brand? How do you inject a brand into a bar? How do you evolve that bar from the food program to obtaining a full-on liquor license? You know, recently they launched a full-on cocktail program. Um, they've expanded out into Rancho Cucamonga. It's it, how do you not only start a business, but grow a business? And then how do you find new people. And what's it like to do it in Santa Ana, a town in Orange County, especially that has kind of a mixed history with, you know, that G word gentrification. It's a place that I really, really enjoy. It's a place that a lot of my friends enjoy. It's a great spot to grab a drink. John is one of the nicest human beings around. If you ever get up to Native Son, you will see him. You will meet him. You will shake his hand. And his smile is so infectious. And he's just one of the nicest people in the world. I'm so grateful for him to take the time to do this interview because when we did this, um, obviously you're listening to this in 2022, unless you're listening to it way later on, in which case, welcome anyway. And I hope you're having fun catching up. But when we recorded this, it was right before the holidays. It was right when Orange County got slammed with 
torrential, and I do not use that word lightly, torrential downpours for like 36 hours. This place looked like it was getting hit by a hurricane. Um, for anybody that's listening that lives in the area, you know exactly what day I'm talking about. And poor John and poor native son had buckets out and about with some roof leaks. I don't know if the microphones picked it up. When I went back and edited it, I didn't hear anything. Um, but we definitely kind of laugh about it because that's all you can do. And that's some of what we talk about. Not only is it building a brand and evolving a brand and growing a business, but that day to day, you know, how do you delegate? How do you grow? So you're not stuck doing every single thing. And what a perfect way to record and ask those questions with a small waterfall in the background. So anyways, let's jump right into it. Again, we've got a litany of new episodes coming up for 2022, a ton of new content, but that you can check out over on Patreon. In the meantime, we got a great episode. So let's jump right into it with John Sanchez of Native Sun. Enjoy. John, thank you for taking the time to sit down and what is can only be described as kind of the end of days here in Southern California with the rain that's coming through right now. You're dealing with something that no restaurant owner anywhere wants to deal with, which is a leaky roof and anything else that's going on right now with this kind of hurricane-esque weather we're dealing with in Orange County. But I appreciate you sitting down and taking a little bit of time to talk about Native Sun and everything you guys have going on here. For people that may not be familiar with you, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Sure. Crawford, I'm super excited to be here, even though it's uh, raining indoors today. But um, yeah, uh, Native Sun has been a quite the eight-year adventure and uh, it was, it all started with my love of craft beer and wanting to bring like the San Diego pub feel to Orange County. And so I came to downtown Santa Ana uh, early on in the early days. It was us here and playground across the street and that's pretty much it down 4th Street and it's, so much has changed uh, in these years. Uh, but yeah, we found this place. This was an office building and this patio out here had done nothing for 30 years. No one had got to come out and enjoy it. And I saw the vision. I took people here and showed them the conference room and the uh, cubicles. And I was like, this is going to be a bar. And uh, they were like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rooftop bar in Santa Ana. And they were like, okay. And then we made it happen. And here we are almost eight years later. So eight years later. And again, it, it obviously these podcasts are a little bit evergreen for anybody who's listening. We are getting torrential downpours here in Orange County. So you're dealing with a bit of a leaky roof right now, a little pre-service, things like that. Eight years in, I mean, Native Sun is one of, in my opinion, one of the best kept secrets in Orange County. And especially now that you guys have jumped fully on board and gotten a liquor license and you're doing craft cocktails, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Eight years in, is, is it where you thought it would be? Is it is it more? I mean, it, eight years is a long time for a restaurant. I mean, this is a great, great spot. What does it feel like to look back and be like, holy cow, it's been that long? Yeah, I think looking back as I'm not a bartender anymore. I'm not a beer tender anymore. Uh, I, I definitely am an owner. And in the early years, you go, you do everything. You wear all the hats. Yeah. And I hear people come to up to me all the time when they find out what I do. And they're like, oh, I have a dream of one day opening up my own bar. And I'm like, okay, watch out. Take a breath. Take a breath. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, I think I look back now and I think of just all the people that have been through here, customers and employees, uh, and all the adventures we've had along the way. You know, we, um, we really tried and tried our best for um, the, the first iteration to be the best beer bar in Orange County. That was our entire goal. Like, um, and 
I, I would say we did that. We, we were, we were up there. We, we have so much respect for the Hollings heads of the world that were here such a long time ago. And we were fighting and fighting to try to be a Russian river account, just like them in the early days. And now we have plenty on all the time. And so it is kind of surreal to see how far we've come in that vein. But I think the, the big change for us this year was the cocktails, but that has been a change that's been happening for years. Yeah. We, when we were one of the only bars um, on this side of downtown, uh, when we started, we were kind of at every man's place. We, had, we were great with craft beer, but we kind of, what were we? Were we a dive bar? Were we a restaurant? What, how did people view us? And we didn't really care. And then I think since that time, I think it's been about almost 20 new liquor licenses have come into downtown. And we realized with uh, the increase of options for customers that we had to pick. We had to be something. Yeah. And we knew what it was. We sat down and we were like, we're a rooftop bar. It's obvious. So what do other great rooftop bars do? And we went around and we went to San Francisco and LA and New York and visited as many as we could. And we're like, you know what? A great rooftop bar has casual seating on the patio that you can sit and enjoy yourself like you're in somebody's backyard, but you're just above everything. And they have great food, they do brunch, and they have full liquor. And so we started to just check those off one by one. And this year was the last one when we were like, we finally got access to our liquor license. And I think it's been about a three-year odyssey to um, kind of fully develop into our identity. So I've had uh, guests on the show before that work in and around liquor licenses. Um, Jason Coe, who's a rep up in Los Angeles, does them professionally for a living, sells them and works with people. What was the process like to move between licenses, basically to go from mm -hmm. just beer to actually pursue the full-on liquor one to have the cocktail program like you do now? Sure, yeah, I think a lot of people have the thought process that you just walk into the ABC office and apply and pay and, and then you can uh, go make whatever concept you like. I definitely had that, um, that feeling before I got into this industry when we, for those of you who don't know, if you, you can do that for a beer and wine license, you yeah. can, you can go and, and pay and, and get one. There's not a limit, but there is a very hard capped limit, uh, on full liquor licenses. And so our, uh, location out in Rancho Cucamonga, we won, uh, the liquor license lottery that happens once a year. And that was a great experience. Uh, but you often don't win. And last year we didn't win. Uh, to try to get a liquor license here. We were, I think, the first alternate, basically. Oh, we, just, we just lost. <laughs> and so we had that come to Jesus moment of, are we going to go out into the world and buy one? Yeah. And navigate that new world that we've never done. And I should say, for anybody listening who doesn't know, these are not cheap endeavors. I mean, you're talking like quarter of a million dollars at some point. I mean, these things can be very expensive. Yeah, and it, it it's all depends on supply and demand. Yep. Uh, and we didn't right away jump into that pool. And I was a little hesitant. And I was uh, actually at Windsor Homebrew Supply down in Costa Mesa. Great guys there. Shout out to you guys. And I got a phone call. And it was from, I've, I've gotten these phone calls multiple times a year, every year since we've uh, started Native Sun. And it was a lawyer saying, I have a liquor license, I want to sell it to you. And every other t time I've just been like, no, thank you, hang on the phone. This time I was, I was in the right mindset and I was like, yeah, let's talk. And we went down that path with them 
and we didn't know it until the very end when we signed papers, but it was Velvet Lounge's liquor license. It could have been any liquor license in all of Orange County that could we could transfer in our county. Yeah. And it just happened to be just somebody four, right down four the road. Down the road yeah. That had gone out of business <laughs> right before COVID. And yeah, so we we really laughed at that that of all places in Orange County, we moved it just four blocks down. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, downtown Santa Ana is in my mind, one of the most fascinating places in Orange County, as far as the not revival, because there's always been great things here, but it, a lot of people look at it as kind of the definition of gentrification a little bit. Um, there's a lot of very, very famous spots here and a lot of history in Santa Ana. What is it like to see? I mean, again, playground is arguably, in my opinion, one of the most important restaurants in Orange County because of what they did. They came out just swinging. Don't give a fuck. They're going to do what they want to do. Native Sun developing the identity for it and being here eight years in, how does it feel to kind of be in this area? And what is it like to be in downtown Santa Ana with everything that happens around on Forest Street, all the history and all the new? I mean, how do you do that from an ownership standpoint, kind of honoring the old while embracing the new? Yeah, we love Santa Ana. Santa Ana to me is the most urban place in all of Orange County. Uh, we're talking hundred year old brick buildings. Yep. Uh, federal buildings here, all the county seat is here. So there's so much going on all the time. And when I saw what Playground had done in their first couple of years of business before we signed our lease here, I could see that this area reminded me so much of when I lived back east. I lived in New York, New Jersey, right out of school with my first job. And I loved Brooklyn and I loved Greenwich Village. And it just had that vibe. Yeah, especially like the barbershop down here. They're like laying guys down to give them shaves. And I'm like, this feels, this doesn't feel like Orange County. When people think of Orange County, especially if they're thinking about it coming from San Diego or LA, they think of it as like suburban sprawl. Yeah. And strip the malls. The Newports and the Cota de Casa. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what people want to do. But that is kind of the picturesque. It's the gated yeah. community and the, the golf course and et cetera. Exactly. The Irvine, the planned uh, the planned out streets and everything in downtown Santa Ana has one ways. It's got uh, streets that aren't parallel. I mean, we are, uh, it definitely gives that old world town, that small town feel, but like urban. And when I saw that, I loved it. And we, we knew that the gentrification topic was, was one. And uh, we always uh, kind of stayed away from that because we were very inclusive we, we've always had a beer on that's been like three or four dollars. Uh, and anyone can come up we, and we, we, we're not stuffy. Uh, and that's been kind of my personality that I've been trying over the years to impart to all of our uh, employees is that every customer, it doesn't matter if, if they're dressed in a suit or if they're just coming off the street with their skateboard. And uh, we love that about Santa Ana. And I think that the gentrification issue has been one that's been um, talked about a lot, written about a lot. And I think that the the main takeaway that I always get from both sides of it is go out and vote with your wallet. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you think a, a local place near you is great and you don't want them to go out of business, then support the heck out of them and tell people about them and write good reviews for them. Because in the end, uh, business can only survive if they're doing well, if they have customers that support them. And if they go out of business, oftentimes it's because people forget about them because of the new thing. Yeah. And that's where people can get upset about gentrification. 
But in the end, we're all competing. There's a certain amount of dollars that are spent in downtown and, and we want to be like the top three destination, uh, but there only can be so many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's one thing to open a great spot. It's another thing to then go and open a secondary location or something like that. Most people do it within a reasonable radius. You kind of already mentioned it a little bit up in Rancho Cucamongo. What prompted to open a native sun up there? What was the catalyst? I mean, how did you go from downtown Santa Ana all the way up to Rancho? Yeah. Starting a second location is very challenging and it's very, uh, it's something as a business owner that you like can't wait to do, but it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I think we set the tone in the first year of our business, even though we started Rancho in year five, I wanted to tell the staff after the first six months, I could feel this feeling that you only get after starting a small business where you pour all your blood, sweat, and tears to build it, to raise the money, to try to make the, your vision happen. And then you start. And a week or two weeks in, you have your first payroll. And that's when it sinks into your brain as an owner that these people that I'm looking at on this computer screen rely on me to make sure that this doesn't fail. Yeah. That they, that they have uh, their livelihoods associated with some of my decision-making. And I told them early on, guys, if I get hit by a bus, this place is over. So I need to offload responsibility onto you, not only because it makes my job a little easier, it also gives you job security. And I can start focusing on growing the company. And so our first full year of business, 2015, I made it a goal that we were gonna have management by the end of the year that were trained where I would take the entire month of December off. And I did. I took the whole month of December off. I told them, don't call me, don't text me, don't email me. You have the full list of people to uh, contact. If the place burns down, call my dad. Um, <laughs> he'll know what to do. And I, our, we called that becoming a legitimate business. That so many people in our industry are owner operators. Yeah. That they have a hard time pulling back uh, and just being an owner. Because what that, what that forces you to do is, of course, hire great people, train them properly, but also... Uh, give them the control, the creativity, put that responsibility uh, in their lap and watch them succeed with it. And once we did that, that laid the groundwork to make the second location happen so much easier. That we had managers, we could see their potential over the years. One of our managers, Jeffrey Kwan, uh, just really showed that he could build a team, uh, bring people together, getting everybody rowing in the same direction. And we sent him out to Rancho. And he moved out to Fontana, which was a big change for him. Uh, but that location came about because a friend of mine and his father were renovating an old JCPenney. And he was like, I wanna make it a food hall, like Packing House in Anaheim. Yeah. And he said, John, would you help us? Cause you saw Packing House opened a little bit before we did. And then 4th Street Market opened a couple of years later and we got to see both of those uh, happen and build out and see what the response was. And so I walked into this meeting and gave them all my opinions about food halls, good and bad. And at the end of the meeting, they turned to me and they said, so you're going to do it right with us? You're going to you're going to bring up you're going to bring Native Sun here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, if someone had told me that our first expansion was going to be to the Inland Empire when we first started, I would have laughed and laughed. But I told them maybe, 
and we looked at it more and more and more. And that area of Southern California really needs independently owned, uh, creative, craft-driven bars and restaurants. Yeah. And that was their goal for Haven City Market. And it fit what we wanted to do. We had Jeff that was perfectly ready to, to go like spread his wings and be a GM somewhere. And so we did it. And it's been the best decision we've ever made. They, the people out in Rancho Cucamonga support Haven City Market and Native Sun so much. They love uh, the beer list that Jeff curates, the bar program that Brock Woolsey uh, implemented there and then brought here. He's now full-time in Santa Ana. And we love Rancho. I love going out there. When they, when, I, when they started, I would go out there and I would sit down at the bar and I would be like, this is exactly the bar that I want near me, but it's not. Like, I wish it was closer to where I live, <laughs> my own bar. Uh, and, and we've really made this Santa Ana location act a lot more like our second location. So we learned lessons here. We implemented them out there. And then we actually backfilled those ideas here. So like our service model, obviously the cocktail program, um, some of the closing and opening procedures and checklists and all the things, we, we now operate more like our second location at our first location. That's pretty funny. Building the brand identity, um, you kind of talked about initially when you first opened, what you wanted it to be. You wanted it to be a great beer hall, et cetera. Obviously now we have the cocktails, which again, we'll get to in just a couple of minutes, but how do you build the identity of it, because then you talk about opening Rancho and Rancho's a completely different animal. And now you're learning lessons from that. Mm -hmm. When you first set out, did you already have kind of a concept in mind for what Native Sun would be? And if you did, how much has it changed in those years kind of with both locations and, and the clientele and things like that? Yeah, the name Native Sun, some people often ask, like, how how'd you come up with this name? What does it mean? And Naming a bar is really hard. When you go on the, uh, the trademark website and you have a great idea to name your bar and you go up there and it's taken. Yep. And your next best idea, taken. What I really wanted was a place that uh, people felt like was home. And I was on the school newspaper in high school and there is a newspaper term called Native Sun. So you'd say if Michael Phelps wins gold at the Olympics, Native Sun of Baltimore, Maryland, Michael yeah. Phelps wins the Olympics. And so that term to me is where you're from. And so when I chose to name Native Sun that name to tell like, hey, when you are a regular here, this is where you're from, Santa Ana or Rancho Cucamonga. Because we, when you're, when you're in this industry that's so hard, you're relying on people to come to you. And brick and mortar bars and restaurants I don't believe is a dying industry, but it is a old industry. It is a, it is a traditional industry that, it, that requires a lot of hard work and dedication to build that customer base. And that was the feeling I wanted it to happen. So I think when I think about the branding of Native Sun, it's, it's almost more of an attitude that everyone that works here has to have, even before the trappings of what materials the bar gonna be made out of or what kind of menu are we gonna have Customer service and treating guests with um, honesty and um, love is is not it doesn't come naturally, and it, it really is a it's something that we think about a lot uh, as as management here is how do we 
continue to train that, make processes that make that easy to do. Yeah. Uh, and make people feel like this bar, this is where I'm from. This is my local place. This is my it's it's beautifully unfussy. I mean, it's it's not a place that you can ever walk in and feel uncomfortable. You will feel comfortable. You will feel welcome. It doesn't matter. Kind of like you said, whether you're coming in or you know in a suit or fresh off a skateboard or whatever it is, it's wonderfully welcoming. With the development and acquiring the license and moving into the cocktail program, what was that process like? Because you guys didn't just start serving, you know, Tito sodas. And again, if that's what you drink, fair enough. But you guys jumped in and arguably opened one of the better cocktail, craft cocktail programs in the area. And you're going up against some powerhouses in Santa Ana. I mean, between Playground, El Mercado, I mean, there's some great spots here to get a drink. You guys just got the license and just it was like off to the races. So yeah. we talked about getting the license early in the show, but what was the process like developing the menu and coming out with just a menu of absolute heavy hitters right out the gate? I think a lot of that comes down to how we came to want to bring in cocktails. The the customer have they have led us to this menu. Yeah. And what and the way that has happened over the years is that when we started the craft beer drinker was the creative thinker in the drinking world. They were seeking out these small, cool craft breweries 10 years ago. And I was that person. I was up in, living in San Francisco, going up to Lagunitas, going up to Russian River in Petaluma and Santa Rosa. And that was the customer that we sought to court. We want you to come here. We want this creative thinker, the creative drinker to come here. and. Over the years, that has changed. Eight years ago, the cocktail drinker was the just like Tito soda, level one cocktails. Every the name of the cocktail contains all the ingredients in the cocktail. Yeah. Uh, but now that has changed, and we've seen the change. Uh, we've seen the change in in us and even my tastes personally, but also that craft the craft cocktail movement has changed the cocktail drinker into a creative drinker. They want to learn about Pisco and different distilleries and uh, the history of distillation. And that mirrored exactly who we originally sought out to uh, to have as a customer base, the, the craft beer drinker. And so I think it was more the customer led us there. They told us, hey, we love craft beer, which we have. We also want a really interesting cocktail program. And so as uh, as we were looking to start Rancho with our first liquor license, I knew that my talents were not creative cocktail program. And so I looked around and um, Brock from a, was working across the street. And originally we had someone else to do our cocktail program and that fell through. And he said to me, he's like, maybe we should talk. And so we kind of sat down. And when we were thinking about the cocktail program for both spots is very is similar. They have much more uh, adventurous specials right now in Rancho because we're still training up the team here mm -hmm. in Santa Ana. But I told him, I was like, you know what we need to be? We need to be a combination of an Ace Hotel bar and like a college town bar. We, we can't be fussy. We're gonna it's be- a hell able, of a combo. We're, yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to, we have to be both. We're gonna have both kind of, kind of customers. And so he was like, okay, let's build a menu. Like we have a Long Island iced tea on the menu. Uh, and that's kind of like our homage to, hey man, like we are gonna juice everything fresh and we're gonna uh, make this with interesting distilleries, yep. but it's a Long Island iced tea. Uh, but yeah, but we also have a Pisco Sour on the menu. And so we started with, okay, when you're building a draft list or a cocktail program, you want to 
introduce people to things that they haven't experienced, but probably are classics. A lot of our cocktail program is our classic, classic cocktails, Daiqu- tons of daiquiris, right? Daiquiris, margaritas, Collins, and people that are, con- that are moving in their journey from craft beer into cocktails have really responded to loving the classics. Yeah. And we hear in Santa Ana and in Rancho as a company, we love promoting from within. We, Brock was our first person we ever hired in from the outside and gave management responsibility to. Everybody else is homegrown. And so we wanted, when we sat down the entire staff in Santa Ana this past year, hey, we're getting cocktails. We are going to train you. You have the best person here, Brock Woolsey, to train you on how to become a professional bartender. And it's been really exciting to see beer tenders become bartenders uh, under the watchful eye of, of really a master. Yeah. Well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code thebestseats15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef, owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. Yeah. You guys have done a great job of taking the combination that you mentioned, kind of the college bar and kind of that Ace Hotel. And again, for anybody listening who doesn't know, Ace is a hotel out in Palm Springs, very 
very LA, very fun, very kind of hip, um, great spot where you will definitely have a good time. You guys have done a good job of taking the fussiness out of it because I think there's a fear and there's it, and it can happen very easily with inexperienced people where if you open a craft cocktail bar, all of a sudden it can be a little stuffy, mm -hmm. right? It can mm -hmm. be, you know, that nine minute ticket time if you're building, you know, a Ramos or something like that. Sure. And you guys basically did it kind of seamlessly. What was the response like from clientele kind of that first day? Like, oh yeah, and there's booze here now. I mean, what was the response from everybody who kind of comes in? We always say internally that if we make a change, whether it's a change to hours, a change to the menu, or in this case, a huge change, like changing uh, what kind of uh, alcohol we're serving, it takes the customer a little while to, to, to figure it out, to respond, to get used to it. And so we had people walking in the first week and they would look up at the, at the, TV that our beer menu's on, and they'd peruse it, and they'd uh, scratch their head and, and pick, oh, I'm, I'm gonna have that, uh, that hazy IPA. And then we would go back, pour it, bring it back to them, set it in front of them, they'd grab it, and right as they were about to leave the bar, they would see the shelves of liquor the and be like, shelves of, wait yeah. a second, what is that? <laughs> like it, it, it wasn't an immediate like, oh, look at, look at what they have now. And, but we've seen it roll. Like we we're, we were, first month pouring um, way more beer compared to cocktails. And then, but now December is almost 50, 50. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that that's, that's what's gonna, we're gonna see that over time that I've had customers already respond to me and say, hey, one of our friends in our friend group is not a beer drinker. So we'd come to Native Sun for one and then we'd go somewhere else. But now we, we can bring and stay and have you a couple. You can stay and you can enjoy. Yeah, yeah. and I, so I think the variety uh, is exactly what the what our customers want, and I loved my uh, learning about cocktails from Brock, uh, even when he was bartending at Playground, because he was not arrogant about it. Yeah, I was green uh, into the craft cocktail world, and so I would have questions about like what's Geneva, and it wouldn't be like an eye roll or something like, "Hey, you're a bar owner, how do you not know?" It would be oh, let me tell you. And not only that, let me grab this bottle from the back and like set it in front of you. I got to go help this other customer, but read the back. Yeah. And then we chat about it when he'd come back. And, and it was, his attitude is always about education and whether that's to staff or to customers to, to wrap your mind around the complexity that is cocktails. When I think about uh, serving beer, wine, and cocktails, wine has the fewest ingredients to make wine. Beer has the next most. And then cocktails is like this weird, like infinite spectrum, right? What ingredients are in this cocktail? Well, let's talk about bitters. Let's talk about Amaro's. Let's talk about whiskey. Let's vodka. talk about if we infused it. Did yeah. we dilute it? Did we wash it? Like, yeah, there's a million, million things you can do. Yes. You and can I take something so easy and make it so complicated so quickly. Yes. And I think when you think about customers and, um, and just the, the, you and me, right? Learning about what we like to drink cocktails can be very intimidating and you want you walk in and you're looking up here at some Japanese whiskey and you're thinking to yourself I'd be really interested to try that I don't know what to say and if you're in a stuffy environment where someone's just like snapping their finger like what do you want yeah. or like how do you not know what that is environment you won't do it you'll go back to your oh I'll take a vodka soda oh I'll, I'll take the Pilsner mm -hmm. and it takes a little more time to and on busy nights, that's complicated. Like for us, we, we have this downtown Santa Ana overflows with people in the, in the weekend. And we have, uh, thankfully now, 
new housing coming into downtown Santa Ana. But for a long time, we didn't have a lot of people that lived downtown. So we would have wonderful, relaxed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays with our regulars. And, and then get, you just get, and no pun intended, because I know you're still dealing with the roof leak today because the rent, you would just get flooded yes. with people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and cocktails, it, it, that is even more of a challenge because now we're like, okay, well, I have five seconds with you and I want to talk to you about this, but I also know there's a line at the door. So I think that's, it's a, it's a challenge for nightlife spots uh, to have a more complex cocktail list. Uh, and I think that it's okay. It's okay for people to order a Long Island, order a vodka soda, um, have fun with your friends, and then come back and try something new. Talk to a bartender for a while on like a Wednesday evening. That's just the, the world we live in, you know? Yeah. What does the future look like for Native Sun? Now that you guys have kind of settled in, obviously you've got both locations going strong. Um, you know, the cocktails are only kind of improving everything. The food program is, you know, fantastic. Everything's good. What does the future look like now? One of the things that excites me about being a business owner is giving people opportunity. When when I look at someone like Lacey, who's a, the, the vice president of our company, she started as a part-time beer tender. Yeah. And... There is a, there is something good about being a small business, about having like that, like a, almost like a familial kind of a feel. But if you're gonna be good to those people you think are almost like family, you have to grow to give them opportunities to be able to be lifers. I think that's one thing I think about a lot in our industry is there is a, a stigma that some people have to deal with about being a lifer in the bar and restaurant world. We had, we've had multiple employees that have got promoted to management and have been with us for many years. And then their families have been like, are you just gonna work at that bar forever? Yeah, it's and kind of the old, like, when are you gonna get a real job? It's like, this is a real job. That's right. And yeah. I think that's, when I think of the future of Native Sun, I think of growing so that we can offer many employees the option to have real jobs here, Yeah. right? You can be a lifer in the food and beverage world and you can like Lacey have an office job with a salary right it's possible but you need to grow and I think Rancho has helped us open new doors there and I think that you're going to see us uh, push to grow conservatively so that we can give the give our people those options earlier this year one of our uh, bartenders Lillian was going to get her master's in library science. And we were about to start uh, the beginnings of building out a speakeasy in Rancho. And I knew that I could do it again. I've built two places from scratch. I know all the rules, the regulations, working mm -hmm. with the city, the county. But I thought to myself, if I do this again, no one, I'm not helping the company grow. I'm still the only one that knows how. So yeah. I, I need someone that, that I can train to, to help grow the company. And so I sat Lillian down and I told her, I'm here today to convince you to not become a librarian. <laughs> and I pitched it for her. I was like, come be head of business development. You'll still have bartending shifts, but you're going to have full blown office days where you are responsible for this speakeasy, not me. You're going to talk to subcontractors. You're going to talk to the general contractor. You're going to cut checks. You're going to go to the city and the health department and file everything. And that has been Part of our growth that's been really exciting for me is to give someone that experience. Building a bar is 
stressful and it's fun and creative. And it's been really a pleasure of mine to be able to work with her on this project. So out in Rancho, we, we five years ago or so, when it was just a, a thought, I told the landlord, who's doing the speakeasy? You got to have an awesome speakeasy in this food hall. And he's like, oh, I didn't even think about it. Who? And I was like, give me a month. Let me figure out if we can do it. And that was when I was talking to Brock. And I was like, okay, we can do it. So I reached out to him. We're doing it. So we carved out a, this good space in the back. We learned from Blind Rabbit and some other speakeasies that, hey, we can't be too small. It doesn't make sense to be too small. Yeah. So our speakeasy out there can have like 49 people inside and about 20 people on this patio outside. It's a good size. It's a good size. Yeah, yeah, that's hefty. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 wor- it makes the staffing of it work. Like, okay, we can, we can have two bartenders, we can have two servers, and we can make everyone have a great time and make money. Yeah. So that project got delayed uh, for a couple of reasons. The biggest one, COVID, uh, delayed that. And so now we're finally breaking ground. I think uh, in two weeks we're breaking ground on that project. That's excellent. And, and Lillian will be building that out. And it's going to be so fun. We, we are, we're doing a New Mexico Joshua Tree style speakeasy, not dark leather, dark wood. It's going to be like uh, Southwestern. And we bought a 1971 Winnebago that we're opening up one side of it to have three seats, three seating sections inside on the patio. It's, I mean, it's going to be such a fun uh, project for the staff out there. The staff out there is a smaller staff than Santa Ana, and they've, in their two years of business, developed into great cocktail bartenders. And now they're going to have like a major league in the speakeasy and the minor leagues out in the in the general uh, food hall. So they're super excited about it. Uh, that's that's part of our future that is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll see from there. That's excellent. That's great. Well, obviously, depending on when people are listening to this episode, that may already be open. So definitely do go check it out and follow up for any kind of opening dates or things like that if it's not open in the meantime. Um, for kind of going forward with Native Sun, Rancho seems like it's really taking off so much. Santa Ana is obviously kind of the home base for everything. What does the future look like for here in downtown Santa Ana? Is it just continuing to, I mean, obviously now the cocktails are taking off. Those are, you know, only so many months kind of old. Eight years in, I mean, that's 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 good for any restaurant. Eight years is very, respect, you know, respectable. What does the future look like for here in Santa Ana? Yeah, as we think about 2022, having a full year of cocktails, getting our staff here uh, to that past the comfort level, of being a professional cocktail bartender and into the creative stage. Yeah. One thing that uh, we've held down a little here is doing uh, original cocktails because we really wanted for our customers to um, to get a good base of classic cocktails from our, from our menu, but also our staff to get them comfortable and then to get them working with Brock on what is the process like to make an original cocktail, which uh, he was able to implement uh, in, with great success out in Rancho. So that's one big one, but also our kitchen. I think about our kitchen over these eight years has been a really funny example of how many ways you could do it in this industry. We started out, I used to work for In-N-Out in uh, In-N-Out Burger in uh, college. And so I loved how everyone was trained to do everything. Yeah. And so we did that for like the first two years. The bartenders also worked in the kitchen. We had a small menu, it was fried chicken sandwiches, uh, fried Brussels chips for all those out there that remember and over time, people were like, I don't want to be in the kitchen. I want to bartend. I came here to be a, to, because I love beer. Yeah. Like, that's why I wanted to work here. 
And we started to realize, hey, like, this is not working. We need to have our own kitchen staff. But I was terrified because I'd never run a restaurant before. I'd never even worked in a restaurant before <laughs> besides In-N-Out. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm terrified. So what we eventually did was we rented our kitchen out to a Kansas City barbecue duo. And we had a big smoker out here on the patio. And for one year, we did Kansas City barbecue in 2018. And people still come in and say, hey, do you guys have ribs? I remember those days, yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then after that, when they decided to move to Kansas City, we were like, okay, well, we haven't done, no one in our staff now has been in the kitchen for a year. So we, we should actually get our own chef and actually put our big boy pants on and be a real restaurant. And, and we did that. And Chef Alec has been, um, has been amazing. And so in 2020, we started brunch and that we all know 2020 was a, a, a complicated year. This year, our, uh, our Saturday and Sunday brunch has been awesome. It's one, it, when I tell people about Native Sun, I encourage them go to brunch. Yeah, like that is the for a rooftop bar and restaurant. It is the it, it gives you that feeling that you that I want to to let them in on. Like, oh, this is awesome. And his uh, our our brunch menu changes every month. And I think next year, our core menu of food is going to um, change and evolve as well. And I think that with the changes that we have in downtown. Um, playground closing and rebranding. I think this corner has an opportunity to be a hot corner in Orange County where you can bounce back and forth between um, our two businesses here and have really an incredible night out. Yeah, food, absolutely. Food, food and drink. Yeah, everything is within stumbling distance, which I love. Um, obviously, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We have leaky roofs to fix and you got to obviously kind of prep for service tonight um if people wanted to learn more about native sun kind of follow you social media reach out where can people do that at sure our santa Ana location is at native sun bar b-a-r and our ranch cucamonga location is native sun rancho on instagram our website is hasn't been converted yet it's still native sun ale a-l-e dot com that that'll take you to uh the menus for both locations and yeah drop us a line say hi come through uh, my name is John Sanchez. I'm on Instagram at John Bonfon. Uh, follow me. If you want to open up your own bar, I'm all ears. I, I would love to help. Well, it's an exciting, exciting thing to do. And again, I'm a huge fan of Native Sun. Obviously, every single guest I have on the show, I love the places that they represent. But Native Sun is one that I think is truly special. So if you have not been here, stop in. John, thank you so much for the time, man. Good luck with the leaks. Good luck with everything else that's going on. And I cannot wait to see what Native Sun brings in the future. Thanks, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you to John for taking the time for that episode. Thank you to Ali Coyle who provides music for the episode. Thank you to all of you who are listening, whether you're on free feeds or whether you're getting that early access over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Thank you to the advertisers who support this show. Um, thank you to everybody for all of 2021. Plain and simple. And I know I've said it in a couple different instances and episodes and social media posts since then, but this is a crowdfunded brand. Best Seats does not exist without those of you that support and help the brand grow through social media and the website and Google Analytics, but especially those of you who, whether it's a dollar a month or $15 a month, or you're on an advertising budget, whatever it is over on Patreon, thank you. You make this possible. Love all of you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. John, you're an absolute rock star. I adore Native Son. Thank you for doing this with all those leaks in the background. I know you got them fixed. I can't, I cannot wait to stop in soon. And I know everybody listening cannot either. 
Everybody, let's have a hell of a year. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribe to the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Joe McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Sarah Hines, Jay Baker, Tim Swine. Thank you for your support.